0: Ryan Millsap, Chairman and CEO of Atlanta-based Black Hall Studios, is one of today's top entertainment executives with a vision for Black Hall that's ambitious, energizing, and boundless. Millsap is blazing a trail through the heart of the South and setting his sights on the future of entertainment. Listen and learn as Ryan Millsap journeys through the myriad industries, people, and landscapes that traverse the complex and dynamic world of film production.
1: Welcome to the Blackhall Studios Podcast. I'm Ryan Millsap. I got in the movie making business by being a real estate entrepreneur, but also because I'm a big movie fan. I get a huge kick out of watching blockbuster movies that I watch being made at Blackhall. COVID-19 has put a temporary crimp in production, hasn't it, for everybody? But some amazing movies will be shooting at our studios soon, and I'll have some amazing folks on the podcast. I'm also into ethics and philosophy, and I think you'll see those themes throughout the podcast. So you're wondering, where exactly does the movie business and philosophy come together? That's the journey I want to take you on on the Black Hall Studios podcast. I'll bring you guests from both worlds, and I think you'll be surprised at how much philosophy goes into the world of making movies. Plus, you'll get an inside look at the new Hollywood of the South right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Give a listen. I think you'll enjoy what you hear. I'm happy to have you along for the ride on the Black Hall Studios podcast. Actor Naveed Nagaban, the man of a thousand faces, is best known as the enigmatic al-Qaeda leader on the hit series Homeland. But his journey from his homeland of Iran is equally remarkable. Naveed was forced to flee Iran at age 20 because of the internal conflict and still speaks out for refugees even to this day. He learned his craft while in Germany and has been a scene stealer in American shows like Fox's 24. The West Wing, CSI New York, and NCIS Los Angeles. He steals more than a scene from me in this episode. I think you'll enjoy it. Join me for a great conversation with actor Naveed Nagavan. You're
0: never going to leave this country alive. I know. And I don't care. Bullshit! You can't even imagine this, can you? Believing in something bigger than you, more important than you. We are at war. I'm a soldier. You're a terrorist. Imagine you're sitting down to dinner with your wife and children. Out of the sky, as if thrown by an angry god. A drone strike hits and destroys all of them. Who is the terrorist?
1: You pervert
0: the teachings of the Prophet and call it a cause. You turn teenagers into suicide bombers. Generation after generation must suffer and die. We are prepared for that. Are you? With your pension plans and organic foods? Your beach houses and sports clubs? Do you have the perseverance, the tenacity, the faith? because we do
1: welcome to the Black Hall podcast today we are fortunate to have naveed nagaban who is one of the foremost actors out of iran who's had a huge successful career here in the united states naveed welcome to the program
2: oh thank you so much ryan thanks for having me
1: it's absolutely our pleasure tell us a little bit about how you ended up in the united states
2: well, I I left Iran during the war, and I went to Turkey, from Turkey to Bulgaria, and then I was in Germany, uh, where I applied for asylum, and I was in Germany for about eight and a half years, and that's where I I started my career. And then I moved, um, then I moved to the US back in ninety three. It was um, it took. I mean, the first the first ten years was very rough, but now here we are, and I am sitting here talking to you. <laughs>
1: Tell us a little bit about. I mean, what was it like getting out of Iran in that in that era? I mean, it was such a chaotic time.
2: It was very. Um, it was very difficult. I mean, it was a chaos. Um, we were in the middle of the war. Um, I remember that most of my high school friends uh, we had uh, when you were in the twelfth grade. Um, you were. Um, if you wanted to go to university, uh, you were kind of forced to go and join the military and go um, serve as a police officer in the city or go to the front line. And um, just imagine um, your high schools here uh, that were filled with trophies of the, uh, of the sport events and our school was covered, the walls were covered of the pictures with a black ribbon on it of young kids who went to, to war and never came back. And you come to the class and all of a sudden you see that there is a red tulip sitting next to you where your friend used to sit. Mm. And when you open a red tulip, you will see in the center of the red tulip, there is a black dot and it looks like a, a bullet wound. So red tulip represented that the person is not coming back. Um, that was the environment that I grew up and uh, before that, it was beautiful. I mean, it was very, uh, very Americanized, very, uh, very Westernized. It was a hub for everyone from Europe to come to Iran because the pay was well, and um, it, was a, it was a beautiful country.
1: I have a lot of Persian friends because you know I lived in Los Angeles for a long time, and uh-huh. there's a huge, you know, uh, a Persian population of families just like yourself that that left Iran during the revolution.
2: Yeah, I know they uh it was uh lots of my friends left. Lots of them left uh the ones um uh, the all the all the, all my Jewish friends they left, uh, all my Bahai friends they left uh and um it was a difficult time. I mean, when we were in Turkey, we all landed in Istanbul and uh I remember the very first room that I got, um it was like a all the hotels they were packed. There was no room. So the very first room that I got it was a toilet that they put a, a, a they covered the floor with the wood, had no window and had only one bed in it. That was my first stop outside Iran. And then, and then in Germany, um, in Germany we were in the camp. We were in the refugee camp in Kaisla in Reiland Falls in uh, Ingelheim. In Ingelheim uh, refugee camp, which is, still exists, and this camp had um, fences around it, barbed wires around it, and I was just kind of feeling like uh, being in one of those uh, prison camps.
1: How old were you at the time? I was twenty when you when you were in. That I was twenty. T- twenty.
2: I was twenty, and then we had to be amazing. We had to be processed. Uh, I was lucky. I was processed. I was sent to Kaiserslautern, and when I was in Kaiserslautern, I. Um, I, I see my journey every um when we are going through our journey the universe hands us gifts that sometimes we don't understand it we don't uh we don't know how to take it if we are welcoming all of those gifts it will come handy it will become a tool uh, for us for our future and um I remember. If, if I'm talking too much, just tell me, be quiet. No, I love this.
1: I, 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 I can't so, wait sorry. to hear about the gift that you received in Germany, or at least one of them. And See, when I was in Iran,
2: I had a, um, I started my career, the very first time I stepped on the stage, I was eight years old. So I did the school plays, I fell in love with it, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an actor. And then um, I had a friend who was deaf and uh, one day he took me to his uh, coffee shop or his uh, kind of theater gathering area and i went there and i saw all these kids all these deaf kids they are performing they are it was so much emotion in that room that it really brought tears to my eyes and uh, i fell in love with pantomime and mime so i started joining their group and i started working with them then when I went to Germany, when I was processed and I went to Kaiserslautern, uh, there's a theater company called Rheinland-Pfalz Theater in Kaiserslautern, which is a huge theater company at that time. And um, they were doing Sunday in Park with George. Have you seen the play? No, I haven't. Okay, Sunday in Park with George is a soundtrack play, is a musical, and it's about this guy who's going back to his hometown. He travels through the park that he used to grow up in, and when he travels through the park, every tree, every bench brings back a memory. And uh, the director was looking for someone who can portray all those emotions while the singer is going from one place to another place. I went on an audition and I couldn't even speak German and I didn't have a work permit. I couldn't work for a theater because I was uh, I was a refugee. Um, so I went to the police uh, station and the uh, Ausländeramt and I went there and I asked them. I said, uh, "Can you please give me work permit? I want to work in a theater." And they were telling me no. I said, you know, I don't need any money. I don't want any uh, any governmental help. Please give me just permission so I can go and work in the theater. Then um, they gave me the permission. I went and I got the part. So when I was there, the head of the Ausländeramt, head of the police department for foreign, uh, for uh, for all the immigrants. He showed up to our opening and he brought the entire staff from the police department. They came and oh my gosh, it was, it was just magnificent.
1: Because the police came to the, to the show.
2: No, it was that they cared. They cared about this kid who's coming from other part of the world and he's coming here and he's having a dream and they were the one who were handing me the pass to go and get on my train for my journey and they kind of came to
1: so so they didn't actually come to the show they just realized what a big deal this was that they were going to get you this permit
2: i love it. yeah and they came to support me they came to be there in the show to show that they are supporting Got me it. and they care about me.
1: That's what I thought you said that they showed up at the show and they you had this huge contingent of supporters that really only knew you because of the experience of trying to get the permit.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was that was magnificent. And then see this that mime training gave me my break when I came to U.S., when I came here for the first, um, oh my gosh, I got here in 93 and I couldn't speak English. My very first job, I was washing cars for $1.50 an hour. And then um, I saw this ad that they're looking for, uh, there's a movie they're shooting and they're looking for a mute trombonist. At that time, I didn't even know what trombone is. So I went to the college. I asked one of the music kids uh, to come uh, to come and show me how to use the trombone to make noises. And then I said, okay, I will go for audition. I went for audition. And walking in, I see all these guys with their cases, with their trombones. They're checking their spit valves. And they're there. And I'm standing there like a goofball looking at them like a lost puppy. And then... It got my turn, I went in, and I said, what am I doing here? So I started miming everything. And then the director pulled me out and he said, I loved it because I'm looking for Charles Chaplin kind of uh, character or Buster Keaton and you brought all the emotions, but I have a problem. You are, uh, you're too tall for me. And at the same time, uh, I'm looking for someone who is not please forgive me this is what he said I just no, I, I don't think of that um, but he said I'm looking for someone who is not as good looking as you are.
1: in the most humble way possible you can retell this story
2: uh, <laughs> Yeah I said okay give me one chance let me come back and I went I went to a second hand store I bought one of those old tuxedo frogs the ones that they has a tail I bought one of those jackets. I went home, I made a bow tie from the fabrics that I had, and then I had a baggy pants, and I made a um, straw hat out of the shoe box, and I sprayed it black. And when you are wearing a baggy pants, if you bend your knees, you can be lower. And then I put some makeup on my face, I did an eyeliner, and I went over there, and I knocked on the door, um this took a couple of days until i went back for a call back and he opened the door he just stared at me and i said this is the guy this is who i've been looking for and i got the part that film went to slam dance won the grand jury at slam dance at one of the festivals i was nominated for best actor the film came to egyptian theater i started my career so you see what universe gave me When most people, they would walk away from it, and I cherish that, I appreciated that gift. When I was 16 or 17 years old, it gave me tools that I needed all along the way, and I'm
1: still using it. I'm still using it in my work. Did you have that kind of connected spirituality from a young age, or did that emerge over time for you?
2: I think I was very curious. I was very curious about where I came from, I was very curious about what um, what connects me with with the objects with what's around me or the people I remember uh, I used to walk around and every time I talked to the people I had to have my hand on their shoulder I have to touch her- their hand even since I was a kid I had to I had to connect with them physically and then I realized later on I learned that every time I'm connecting with them it calms them. Every time I'm connecting with them, it creates some kind of beautiful light around us. And, um, that kind of became my, uh, my way of seeing the world, my way of being. I remember I used to ask my parents all the time. So wh- where do I come from? How, how did it happen? What's going on? And it was a book that my dad got for me. Just imagine is in Iran. We are talking in early. Or late 60s my dad bought me a book this book was one of those pop-up books that you open and the pages that pop up uh, becomes images and um the name of the book was where do i come from and when you see that you will see images of male and female the sperm how it connects how it multiplies the cell and all those things Oh my gosh, I was going to school as if I was the god of knowledge. I knew what nobody else knew at the school. So, um, uh, my parents, I think every time I ask a question, they never told me, Oh, I, you don't need to know or this is because I said so. I always, I was always able to, um, challenge them and they always welcomed my challenge. And we were always discussing all the different issues. It doesn't matter what it is. I never remember my mom or my dad would tell me, you do it because I said so. I was always, oh, okay, so this is what we are thinking. What do you think? How should we do this? So that was, a, that was one of the biggest gifts.
1: Who is more curious, your father or your mother?
2: They both passed away. Uh, but I think my mom was very very curious oh my gosh she was uh she came here to both i got them both green cards they came to visit and my dad would would go to school my dad just imagine okay uh, you have to see it my dad was a military guy and then he became a banker and then he was a director of the bank he wouldn't allow himself to make a mistake because he wouldn't allow himself to make a mistake, sometimes he would do just the things that he knows how to do it, and or he wouldn't do it until he's 100% sure that he's doing it the right way, at least um, based on his opinion. My mom, on the other hand, she was a teacher. She was curious about everything, and she would run around, and she would she would walk to the places that she would scare all of us, but she would go and she would come back safe, and she said, "Oh, oh, this is what I learned. Oh, this is what it is. I mean, that's that was my mom. I remember. Uh, let me tell you a story about my mom. My mom is five, was five foot two or three. She was she was living with me, and at that time I was married. My wife was American. Um, they had a. Uh, it was it was a little bit rough between them, and so." Uh, Uh, One day I went to work, and then I came back at 5 o'clock. My mom is not home. I asked my ex, I I said, where's my mom? She said, oh, I don't know. She left in the morning. I said, she left in the morning. Uh, You didn't bother to call me or worry, uh, ask where she went? She said, oh, I don't know. She just went, you know, she doesn't speak English. She just said goodbye, and I said bye. She left. I said, okay. I called my mom. I said, I speak Farsi. You could have told me. I would have called her. I called my mom, and I said, mom. Where are you? She said, oh, I'm coming back. I went to Ross. I said, mom, we don't have Ross close to our house. Where did you go? She said, no, no, you have, you have. I said, so where are you? She said, you know, I came out of your house. I turned left, then I turned right, and then I turned left. I'm on that street coming up. I said, okay, wait, I'm coming uh, to find you. I go over there. I drive, and I see that my mom is coming, and we are up the hill. My mom is coming up the hill with two Ross bags, one on each shoulders, and she's completely covered with her hijab, and she's coming, climbing up the hill with these two bags, huge bags, almost as big as she is. So I went over there, and I picked her up. I said, Mom, how, where, where did you go? Now, the Ross is about five or six miles away from us on the other side of the freeway. My mom says, Psh, you think I don't speak English? I came outside. It was a man on a bike. I said, a stop, a stop, a stop. He stopped. I said, sir, excuse me, Russ here or no here? He said, yes, here. I said, where? He said, there. I said, far. Just imagine she holds her hands close to each other. Like, far or far? And she brings her hands apart. The guy says, far. And my mom says, thank you. She said, so I went to Russ. You think I need you? This is my mom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's an adventurer. She
2: was, she was a Speedy Gonzalez. We used to call her Speedy Gonzalez because you're talking to her. All of a sudden you turn around and she's gone. You don't know where she is. And then she calls you and she's like, you see that she's on the other side of the town. We had fun.
1: You seem to have a deeply empathetic spirit. Did she have a spirit like that?
2: She was very, she was very connected. She cared about everyone. Um, she was visiting me at that time. I was going. Uh, I was in San Diego. I was going to college. She came to visit me, and at that time, I had a I had an Italian girlfriend. Just imagine. My mom is very. Uh, she was very religious. She practiced. Uh, she always had her hijab. So this girl comes and stays with us. My mom used to sleep in the living room. She would sleep with me in the bedroom. And my mom every morning gets up makes breakfast for us when we are ready goes and um, that was it one day the girl came home and she was a little bit upset my mom said what is wrong uh, ask her why is she sad I asked her she was going to the wedding and she was a bridesmaid but at that time we were broke so the dress was very expensive and she couldn't afford the dress and she was she was upset because of that my mom said oh, Show me picture. We saw the picture. She said, take me to the fabric store. We went to the fabric store. She bought the fabric. She bought everything. We came home. I went to work next day. I came back. I opened the door. As soon as I opened the door, all of a sudden, my mom is screaming at me, get out, get out, get out. And I'm scared. I got scared. I'm walking outside. I'm coming out. And then she comes outside. She says, don't you see? She's standing there naked because my mom. Pin the dress, pin the fabric on her to make the dress for her. And then I said, mom, wh- where do you think she's sleeping at nights? You think, you think when she's in the bedroom, she's, she's closed, she's naked. She <laughs> said, yes, that is your business. I asked her to take her clothes off. That's why I'm protecting her. You cannot come in until she's dressed. I said, okay. She went, and she made that dress for mm. her. This girl, she's married, she has kids. Still to this day, she says what your mom did nobody has ever done for me.
1: She's a beautiful person. She was she mm. was kind of wacky.
2: <laughs> she was kind of crazy like me. But that's what it was.
1: It it kind of goes together though, doesn't it? I mean do you remember that did you ever see the most recent Alice in Wonderland movie with Johnny Depp where he plays the Mad Hatter?
2: Oh no, I haven't seen it.
1: It's, it's worth seeing, but the very beginning of the movie is a, a scene with Alice, young Alice, 10 years old, uh-huh. and she's with her father. She comes into a meeting to interrupt her father, and um, her father realizes that she'd been having a bad dream, and so he takes her to the other room, and they're talking, and she starts to tell him about Wonderland and her dream, and she says to her father, she says, do you think I'm mad? And he says, oh yeah, you're bonkers. Round the bend, but I'll tell you a secret. All the best people are. And I just love that line. See? And it sounds like when you're talking about your mom, I mean, this is a wonderful human being who also, you know, had a crazy streak and that oftentimes goes together.
2: It was beautiful. And that's the way that it's supposed to be. I mean, you see the, you have to see, you have to learn how to see the world through your own eyes. You have to see the people through your own eyes. There's an expression that I grew up with. I I lived my, my life by it. It says, you can see the truth when you are blind, and you can hear the truth when you are deaf. Hmm. So you're going into the connections, you're connecting with the people, see them for who they
1: are, not what you heard they might be. What kind of spiritual exercises do you do to get yourself plugged in in that way? Uh,
2: do I have to label it?
1: No. No, 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 no. I no, I'm just see,
2: Ryan, the thing is the way that I see myself is that I'm part of this universe and I'm just a guest, I'm passing through. Mm. The vessel is a is a gift. You're going through, you're finding your clan. If you're blind, there's no way that you're going to be able to find your people. Each of us we have our own tribes. So the only way that we can find our tribes, the only way that we can connect and we truly 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 connect is by being open, I've been burned many times through my friendships, relationships, uh, business. I've had some friends who ask me, why, why, why do you keep doing exactly the same thing again and again and again? I say, you know, I shouldn't be changing myself because of someone else, because they are not who they should be in my world. I shouldn't be changing myself to fit into their world. Because if I do it, I will never find my own people. See, we go around, we are wearing a mask, and we are pretending to be someone who we are not. Mm. When you do that, there is no way that you will be able to find your tribe, your village, your coziness. It's You need to get rid of your mask. Then the people, they will see you for who you are. The ones who are attracted to you. Those are the ones who are who should be around you. If you wear a mask, it will be suffocating. You will you you will get tired. It will get to the time that you will lose yourself and you will become the mask.
1: What are the characteristics of the kind of people that you think of as your tribe? Um, people uh people who are very
2: kind, they're open minded, uh, they're non judgmental. And as a tribe, that everything is possible. No and can't doesn't exist in their vocabulary. They see the world as a world of opportunity and possibilities. And they see the world, the word impossible, as I am possible. These are the people, these are my people. These are the people who are not with me just because they want something from me. They are with me just because we give each other. We we share. We share our experience with each other. It's uh, um, see right now. I'm the center I'm building here in Boyle Heights. Mm-hmm. This studio and artist center. When I got this place, is a is a corner lot. Is a gas station, mechanic shop, and a house. My dream was to turn this into a center, a community for all the artists. And when I talked to the people, everybody told me I'm crazy. So I started on my own. I said, don't worry about it. I will do it on my own. I started the center, the studio. The moment that I put the word out there, the whole team gripped him from Legion. They came here. They call them, They call themselves Killer Grip. They came over here. They finished the studio. We finished the studio in 14 days. I paid. So far, I've spent all my money on this center. I was depending on the jobs, on the acting jobs that I had. So all my jobs, they got canceled this year. I had three projects lined up. All of them, they got canceled. So I'm stuck here. I I still have a payment. I still have to finish the house. And uh, a friend of mine said, why don't you do a GoFundMe? I did a GoFundMe. People donated five or ten dollars. And I know I've worked with some of these people. Some of them, they were PAs on the set. And they donated the five and ten dollars and they apologized. They said, Navid, I'm sorry, we don't have any more. This is what it is. But I remember what you said that day. We would love to be part of this. So everybody Joint forces to finish this. The studio is finished. We had our first shoot here. There are scheduling couple shoots to come here and shoot and, um, uh, is starting. The house is supposed to be housing eight artists. I mean, this is, I used to sleep on the park benches here on the backseat of my car. So this place is exactly what I wish I had when I came here. Now everybody's coming. Uh, everybody's trying to help. And, uh, we are struggling, but uh, we keep moving forward. I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. As long as I don't move, I don't see if it's gonna if it's gonna come true or not.
1: <laughs> so you've lived all over the world. You've seen all sorts of fascinating um, situations, hard, uh-huh. beautiful. America's going through, you know, really interesting times. But I always am interested in hearing about what someone who's lived all over the world thinks about living in America. Share with me, like, share, if if I was from a foreign country, I'd never been to America, what would you tell me about this place?
2: It's a magical place. Um, Maybe it's the spirit or the vibe. It's a place that that you can, um, there is no the limits are being created by yourself or by some people who are around you is not set. Unfortunately, I think we have lost our path. America used to be, um, I mean, everybody used to call it land of opportunities, land of freedom. This is the place. Um, If you want a dream, go to America because your dreams, they will become reality. And. It used to be number one country. I don't think that we are anymore.
1: Hmm. Where would you advise somebody to go if they were needing to emigrate out of their country and go find a new home? Where would you tell them to go? I, oh, you're getting me in trouble,
2: Ryan. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, this is, this uh, is. I'm going to get a, uh, get a letter from the, <laughs> from the official that says, thank you so much for your service, but goodbye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer if you don't want to. You
2: know how kind our president is, but, uh, well, okay, um, Canada. Hmm.
1: What makes Canada now the, Best destination for somebody to immigrate to? A
2: couple years ago, I was shooting a movie in Canada. I was there in the back of my hotel. I came back down the alley. I saw a kid, 17, 18 years old. He's sweeping the floor, the the street. It was raining. He would bend down and he would pick teeny tiny leaves from the corner of the street. He would put them in the pile. He would clean everything. It was like that. He is cleaning up his bedroom or he's, he's so soap precise i walked up to him and i said well thank you so much for doing that this is amazing what you're doing what uh, is this uh, that's what you do is this your work and uh he said no no um this is my um i'm a high school kid and, and so we are um we are helping the city we have uh, we come each of us we are coming and we are doing something in the city i said well this is uh, impressive i mean we have uh i've never seen anything like this in in America and um, he said well uh, we are all guests here we are passing through so we keep it clean for the next one who's coming through hmm. and a 17 year old kid grew up in Canada with all the privileges that he could have with everything handed to him freely the medical insurance everything He has everything. But this kid cares about who's coming after him. The way that we are here in America, the way that we are living our lives, is just me, 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 me. Unfortunately, the me, it will not last.
0: Hmm.
2: We are passing through. We are guests here. There is nothing you can take with you. You came naked, you will go naked. There is no way. It doesn't matter how beautiful your coffin is. You're not going to take that coffin with you. It's just a prison. Hmm. So true. So why don't you start living your life freely. See the world as what it is. Appreciate every leaf on the tree. And, and know that this... Where you are, you're just a guest.
1: So, Navid, we're running out of time. But if people wanted to help you with your center, how would they best get in touch with you? How would they contribute? Is the GoFundMe still live? What can what can people do to support your efforts?
2: Uh, GoFundMe, GoFundMe is still out there. GoFundMe is still out there. Um the link is, uh, Romani Artist Center and Studios. If they do, check on the GoFundMe. If they want to check the videos, I have all the videos posted on my Instagram, Nabid Negahban. The email address for the studio is Studios at gmail.com and Romani is R-O-M-A-N-Y. Romani is like Wanderer, is somebody who's traveling. And always on the road in the search of home. So Romany Studios at Gmail dot com.
1: It's a perfect name for your studio. You've had an amazing journey. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm inspired by your optimism, uh, your tenacity, your vision. Um, I think all of us can learn incredible lessons from stories exactly like this, where you've never given up, and you've always just imagined a world as you want it to be, and you've fought to make that world come into reality.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. It means a lot to me. Thanks.
1: Hey, thank you. This is wonderful. I really, I loved hearing your story and I I wish you all the best with what you're doing. I think it's a, an incredible gift to that neighborhood and, and to all of the kids and adults who wander in there to be able to learn this business.
2: Oh my gosh. There are five schools around here. Some of the neighborhood kids, they're coming and they're helping me. They're donating their time. Some of the neighbors, they bring me lunch. Amazing. Everybody, the parents Mm. are passing by and say, so when is the school open? When is the school open? See, the kids, they're coming and they're tagging the walls and they're running away. Now they don't have to run away. I'm giving them free Mm. paints Mm. and free wall space. They can come and paint and then I will take a picture. At the end of the year, we will have an exhibition for them. And whatever art piece that is sold, the kid will get their money. And so this is what I'm trying to create. I'm trying to create. It's kind mm-hmm. of like.
1: How much money do you need to finish it up?
2: To finish the house, I need 150000 Uh To finish the ice cream coffee shop in the front, that it will help the, the artist to, uh, to generate some money. That I haven't even gotten an estimate on that. This was supposed to be an ice cream coffee shop, studio, and living space. So a studio is a multipurpose studio. It can be used mm-hmm. as a painting studio, photography, uh, film studio, and uh, theater space. Mm-hmm. So the artists use the facility to, uh, to create, to mm-hmm. develop their art, to do whatever they mm-hmm. want to do. That has been my vision. It's kind of like Boys Town. Have you seen the movie Boys Town?
1: Yes, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The
2: one with Spencer, Tracy, and Mickey Rooney. Yes. That has been my idea to to create this and put it together. Unfortunately, there have been some bumps on the road, but... Uh, always are. This too shall pass.
1: Well, I'd love to talk to you more about that. Um, I, you know, We've got issues we're working through just with COVID too, but later in the summer, I'd love to talk more about the detail. And if you have any detail you can send me in the meantime, I'd love to start looking at it because there may be ways for us to partner together on that. Ryan, any help. Mm -hmm. Even
2: if somebody has old equipments that they don't need, old lights,
1: Mm -hmm. old uh, cameras, tripods. Yeah, I know people who probably have that stuff. So definitely send that to me and I'll start doing some work. Beautiful. Thanks, Naveed. Thank you so much.
2: I appreciate it. Truly grateful.
1: Thank you for the time. Wonderful to talk to you. And I'll look forward to the next time. I'm Ryan Millsap, and this is the Black Hall Studios Podcast. I'll leave you guys with thoughts that I write on Instagram. When all faith and hope seem lost, do not give up. Dig deep. Stay centered. Put one foot in front of the other and never, ever give up.
0: Thanks for listening to the Black Hall Studios podcast with Ryan Millsap. We want to hear from you. Find us on SoundCloud itunes or spotify and follow us on instagram at, at blackhall studios and at ryan.milsap